0: It's been a special day i want to thank you for allowing me the blessing of sharing it with you and uh, i've been encouraged and i was already excited before i came to see what god has begun to do and i am even more so excited as i just think about what god's going to have for you in the future and uh, it's been a great day and i know it's uh, been because several people have worked hard and visiting and making preparations and I want to thank you for that. I've enjoyed all the testimonies and that's, um, that spoke to my soul. And then all of the special music, it's been great. And uh, I, I think Leah and Sarah probably ought to sing at least every other Sunday going forward. Um, they need better background singer, backup singers for sure. But um, in fact, just cut them out, girls, and y'all just sing. And um, Miss Mary and girls, what amazing... I started to say box lunches, but they were like box feast or something. I, I was watching and people were just kept taking stuff. It just kept coming, you know. It's amazing. Thank you for being here. I know it's uh, already been a long day, and so thank you for staying for this second service. And uh, take your Bibles and turn with me. I want you to look up two references. We'll have a split text real quickly here. Uh, first of all, find 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and when you've found that, just hold a finger in there or your Bible ribbon or something. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and then turn to Hebrews chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll begin with reading um, in Hebrews, and then we'll turn back over to 1 Corinthians 9. Hebrews chapter 12 the Bible says wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. And now 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 Paul writes and he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain. I want you to especially notice that last phrase, So run that you may obtain. The Bible likens living the Christian life to running a race. It's an analogy that God gives us in His Word to help us better understand the life that He's called us to live. He likens it to running a race. Now, in a physical race, only one can win, and everyone else loses. Second place is really just first place loser. In a physical race, only one can win. But the good news is is that in the spiritual race, everyone can win. And can I take it a step further and say, every Christian should win the race that God has given them to run. And there's really, just to be brutally honest with you, there's no excuse as a Christian for not winning the race that God has given you to run. No excuse for it. And the reason is, is because of this. In the Christian life, in the spiritual race, winning and losing is not determined by whether or not someone outperforms you. Because, as I mentioned in our first service, you're not in competition against someone else. Whether or not you win in the end is solely based on one thing how you run your race. Because it's not about beating a few, it's about being the best you. And so the point I make here in these introductory remarks is that every saved person, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you've been born again, every saved person is in a spiritual race. And it's more important than any athletic race that you might watch in the Olympics or some other Uh, you know, sports competition. It's more important than any political race that is ever held to uh, see who's going to hold office. The, The starting line is earth, and the finish line is eternity. We all start here, and we all end there. And because of the grace and power of God, every Christian will finish their race. But not every Christian will win their race. What I mean by that is this, if, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, uh, he, he is able to finish that which you've committed unto Him. Amen. Amen. Everyone who gets saved will make it to heaven. You will cross the finish line. You will enter through those pearly gates. But not every Christian will win their race. Meaning not every Christian will be rewarded and receive that commendation for Christ, again, that we mentioned this morning, that well done. And you might think now, well, that's not a big deal. You know, as long as I get in, that I'm good. No, let me tell you something. When we look upon the face of the one who gave his all for us, we will wish that we would have given our all to him. So, you know, away with this idea, well, you know, as, as long as I get in, I'm good. no. You you, you want to win in the race that God has given you. You're going to want to hear Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful. And you need to understand this. Christ is not just looking for runners. He's looking for winners. He is. He's looking for those, if I can say it this way, he's looking for those who are in it to win it. In it to win it. If you're going to run your race well, if you're going to be in it to win it, then there is one thing that you are absolutely going to have to do in your life. And that is this. Listen, listen, brother. You are going to have to take your eyes off of everything and everyone else and put them on Jesus. If you get your eyes off of Jesus, if you get your eyes on a pastor, if you get your eyes on another Christian, if you get your eyes on a group of people in church, listen to me, sooner or later, they're bound to fail you. And if you're going to win, if you're going to be in it to win it, this is one thing that is absolutely indispensable. You must do it. You have to take your eyes off of everyone and everything else and put them on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I will promise you this. He will never fail you. He will never let you down. I've never understood why people you know, quit on God because someone else hurts them. And I understand those hurts are very real, and we need to be sensitive to that, and we need to to minister to those hurts. But listen to me. Hey, you're going to get hurt at times. You're going to be disappointed at times. Someone's going to let you down. Someone's going to wrong you. Someone's going to offend you. But not Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him. I want to talk to you for a few moments today about in it to win it. Father, help us now in these few moments as we look to your word. We're looking for your help, your guidance, your instruction. Pray that you'd help us to take it to heart. Lord, beyond what this preacher would say, I pray, Lord, that everyone here would listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say to them today and that you would do a work of grace in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now very quickly, uh, just again by way of introduction, let me tell you two things that you need to know and you need to remember about this spiritual race that you're running. And some of you are saying, now wait a minute, Pastor. When did I sign up to run a race? I, I, I don't like to run. I'm allergic to running. You know. I, what's this thing about me being in a race? Listen, like it or not, you are in a race. The Bible teaches the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior... In that very moment, you began your spiritual race for God. And two things you need to understand about this race. Number one, it's a personal race. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says at the end of the verse, let us run with patience, listen, the race that is set before us. It's a personal race. God has given me a race to run in my life. God has given Pastor James a race to run in his life. And each of you have a race to run in your life, all right? And, and, and by the way, stay in your lane. Amen? That's good advice for life. Stay in your lane. God has all given us a race to run. You cannot run my race for me. I cannot run your race for you. Uh, but we are each to run our own race In the words of the Bible, the race that is set before us. It's a personal race. When you got saved, God laid out a track for your life. God has a course that He wants you to run in your life until you get to heaven. It's called the will of God for your life. And there are some aspects of the will of God that are the same for all of us. We're all Uh, To be witnesses for the Lord. We're all to be people of prayer. We're all to be faithful to the church. But we all have our own lane in which God has given us a specific race to run. A race that is personal to us. Now here's the good thing about that. We're not competing against each other. And by the way, that's why I should not be jealous about how well you run your race. And you should not be jealous about how well I run my race. And, and listen to me, we don't need to fret and worry and about what the church is doing across town. And they're running their race. They're doing their thing. And we need to focus on the race that God has set before us. It's a personal race. And what I love about that is that means this. I can cheer you on and you can cheer me on. And I can rejoice when you're running well and you can rejoice when I'm running well because your success and your winning is not at the expense of mine. You being a winner does not make me a loser. We can all be a winner because we're all running our own personal race. It's a personal race, but then know this, it's a permanent race. Meaning once you got saved and started this race, you're in it for life. There's no quitting. There's no falling out of the race. Now, now you may decide you're not going to run well, or you might decide you're not going to run at all. But you still have been assigned a race. It's personal. It's permanent. And as I said earlier, it starts on earth and it ends in eternity. Every follower of Jesus Christ is in this race for life. You will finish it. You will reach heaven. The problem is, it is possible to finish it, but not win it. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 24, So run that ye may obtain. Run to win. Run so that you can be rewarded at the end of the race. Listen, if you're saved, like it or not... You're enlisted in this race. And you're going to run it until the finish. So if you're in it, you might as well be in it to win it. Amen? If you're in this race, you might as well run it well. You might as well strive that you might obtain from the Lord a reward. Amen, amen. Because again, God's not just looking for runners. He's looking for winners. And the good news is you can win your race. Listen to me. Listen to me, you can win your race. I don't care how tired and weary you are. I don't care what handicaps or hardships you deal with. I don't care what obstacles or opposition you may face. I don't care how many times you fail or fall. Listen to me, you can win your race. By God's grace and God's power, you can win your race. So listen to me, hey, be in it to win it. Run. That you may obtain. Obtain what? condemnation? The commendation of Christ. Amen. Now how can you and I make sure we win in the end? Yeah. I'm going to give you three things we learned from our text that we, need to, that we need to understand. If we're going to be in it to win it, number one, forsake whatever weighs you down. Mm-hmm. If you're going to win the race that God has given you, in this life you have to forsake Whatever weighs you down. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 said this, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, listen, let us lay aside every what? Weight. Let us lay aside every weight. And the picture that Paul is painting for us here is that of a colosseum in ancient times where the great races were run back in Bible days. And, and there's, a great, there's a great crowd in the stands. And the Bible calls them a great cloud of what? Witnesses. Witnesses. Now, who are these witnesses that the author is talking about in Hebrews that is watching us as we run our race? Who is this cloud of witnesses made up of? Well, he's talking about those runners who have already crossed the finish line And they're now on the other side in heaven and they're awaiting us. Specifically, he's referring to those past winners, all of those great heroes of the faith that the author just finished talking about Back in Hebrews chapter 11 when he says, By faith Abel offered a more sacrifice, and by faith so-and-so did this, and by faith so-and-so did that. That's who he specifically is talking about that makes up the great cloud of witnesses in heaven that's watching us run our race now. Now, you know what these witnesses are? They're cheerleaders. They are encouragers to all of us who have now come along after them. And they encourage us because they have already run, completed, and won their race. And they're encouraging us. They're witnessing to us. And they're saying, hey, we did it, and so can you. We ran our race. We ran well. We ran, uh, we ran and we won. And you can too. And so the great cloud of witnesses, they're cheering us on. You see, these aren't mere spectators in the grandstands. The Bible says specifically they are witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is one who bears record to the truth. So they're not just watching us run our race. They are witnessing to us while we run their race. And they're doing so by their example that has been recorded for us in the Bible. And as we open their Bibles, as we open our Bibles, we hear their cheers. They're saying, hey, run hard, run well. Keep your focus on the finish line. Keep your eyes on Christ. You can win this race. We've already run it and we won and we're here to witness and to testify. You can do it. You can live and die a winner for Jesus Christ. And someone says, I can't run well. I've lost my family. I can't run well. I've lost my health. Job stands up and he yells through the pages of Scripture, look at my life. I lost my wife. I lost my kids. I lost my health. But I still won. And so can you. Someone says, I can't run well. I I can't win. Life has been so unfair to me and I've just been dealt a bad hand. And, you know, the odds have been stacked against me my whole life. I can't run well. I can't win. Joseph says, read my story. I know what it's like to be dealt a bad hand. My brothers sold me into slavery. I, I went to prison under false accusation for something I didn't do. Nevertheless, I just kept running hard. And when it was all said and done, I won. And so can you. Hey, you need to, be, you need to remember that the men and women that we read about in the Bible, they were just humans like us. They're not superheroes Hey, God records their stories as an example to evermore encourage us. They are witnesses. Their lives bear record that all of the truths that we read about in the Bible can be trusted. That's what their life witnesses. They, they, they give witness that, that you could and should win your race. But in order to do so, the first thing we learn is you've got to forsake God. Whatever weighs you down in life. Lay aside every weight. Now in ancient times, much like today, when a runner got ready to, uh, to, to run his race, he would strip down. And when I say strip, I mean strip. They would take everything off that they possibly could and they would wear the, the bare minimum. Why? Why? so that they could run the fastest. They would run with almost nothing on so that they could go as fast as they could. That's why you call it the streak, amen? They just just got down to the bare minimum. Now listen, don't miss the point. You have to lighten your life of anything that's going to weigh you down and slow you down and keep you from running your very best for Jesus Christ. Nobody that is serious about winning a race enters that race wearing an overcoat and some rubber boots and carrying two loaded down suitcases in each hand. Well, let me ask you something. Anything wrong with wearing an overcoat? No. Anything wrong about wearing rubber boots? No. Anything wrong with going through life carrying two suitcases in your hand? Is there anything sinful about any of those things? Of course not. But it will hinder you and keep you from running your best race. It's not a sin. It's a hindrance. And so the author says, lay aside every weight. A weight is something that in and of itself is not sinful. A weight is not something that's wrong. A weight is not what we would call a a, a vice or something immoral. It's just anything. Listen, a weight is just anything in life that will keep you from running your best for Jesus Christ. It's a hindrance. I told you I got saved when I was 13. I got called to preach when I was 15. Obviously, I got saved at 13. I didn't have a church background, didn't have Christian parents to guide me. And, and I was learning. I was growing. And uh, where I grew up, all, all young men were avid hunters. We hunted and fished all the time. And that's what weekends were for. The, the, the first 13 years of my life, weekends weren't for going to church. Weekends were for going hunting. Weekends were for going fishing. Weekends were for going four-wheeling. Now all of a sudden I'm saved and I'm going to church, but I would still miss some to go with my dad and my brother because they were still going. I was going to church all the time, but they were, they were coming some, but they were going to church. When God called me to preach when I was 15, I came back home. Still to this day, I'm almost 55 The most difficult thing I've ever done as a Christian is sit down with my dad, pastor, look him in the eye and say, Dad, I love you. I've had the greatest of times in life going hunting with you, but I'm not missing church to go hunting anymore. And that, for me as a young Christian, was the biggest decision I had to make in my life personally that propelled me in spiritual growth. Now, I enjoy hunting today. I go hunting today. When I was 15 years old, hunting for me and my life, I'm not saying for anybody else, but for me, it was a weight. It was something that had been a part of my life that was keeping me from being my best for Jesus Christ. And for a period of time, until I grew and, 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 and got better perspective, I had to, I had to lay that aside. And I, listen, now, I've pastored for many years. And I know a lot of men now, I've pastored a lot of men who hunting and fishing and recreational activities and, and, and car racing and, 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 and car mechanic building are weights in their life. Not sinful things, but it keeps them from being their best for Jesus. And if you're going to be in it to win it, and it's different for all of us, but all of us, I guarantee you, if we evaluate our life, we will see some potential weights Things in our life that in and of themselves are not wrong, but they will hinder us and keep us from being our best for Jesus. And that can be all manner of different things. It can be a a hunting camp, it can be a a fishing boat, it can be a piece of land that you've bought and you're trying to tame, herds of cattle. I've dealt with it all with men in my church. It can be television, it can be Facebook, it can be computers, it can be iPhones, it can be sports. It can be sports. I've heard of people being in four or five fantasy football leagues at times in their life. It's an inside joke, me and Austin. Anything, I know Austin well enough, I can say Anything wrong with fantasy football? No, unless you're betting on it and not tithing. But is it possible that fantasy football in some people's life could be a hindrance and keep them from being their best for Jesus? It could be. And by the way, something in my life that doesn't hinder me, that same thing might be a hindrance in your life and vice versa. It's a personal race. And so if we're going to do our best, listen, we've got to be willing. Anything that's keeping me from being everything that God wants me to be. Let me say it that way. Anything that's keeping me from being everything God wants me to be is something that I need to be willing to lay aside. Let it go and say, hey, Jesus is more important. I learned a long time ago, you know, the big decision in life is not choosing between good and evil. That, that at some point ought to become relatively easy for you. The big decision, the difficult one, is choosing between good and best. And that's where weights come into our life. In it to win it, you've got to forsake whatever weighs you down. Number two, got to forfeit whatever trips you up. Forsake whatever weighs you down. Number two, forfeit whatever trips you up. Hebrews 12, 1 goes on to say, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. So understand, Christian, there are weights and there are sins. And it's one thing to be slowed down in our race. It's another thing to be tripped up in our race. It's one thing to, to, to try to run, away, run a race wearing an overcoat and, and rubber boots and in two, with suitcases in each hand. It's another thing to try to run a race with chains around your ankles. Lay aside the sin which doth so easily beset us. The word beset there, it means to entangle The word describes an entangling vine that grows and wraps itself around something. Let me tell you something. Sin will trip you up and cause you to fall in life. And so, first you have, you see, here's how it works. First you have sin, and then sin has you. First a man takes a drink, and then the drink takes the man. Are you hearing me? That's what sin is besetting. It it will entangle you and trip you up. Brothers and sisters, you don't want to limp across the finish line because you've been injured by a fall in sin. You want to run across the finish line with hands held high, giving praise and glory to Jesus Christ because you made it there and you made it there clean and whole. God wants you to win your race The devil wants to ruin your race. He does. In it to win it, forsake what weighs you down. Forfeit what trips you up. Let me give you the third and final thing. This is the most important thing. If you're going to be in it to win it, forsake what weighs you down. Deal with hindrances. Forfeit what trips you up. Get sin out of your life. Listen, if you don't get serious with sin, sin will get serious with you. Thirdly and most importantly... Focus on the one who drives you on. Focus on the one who drives you on. Listen to our verse, Hebrews 12, verse 2, says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And the word looking there, it means to look away from everything else and to focus on one thing. That's, what, that's, that's how you get saved. We sing the hymn, look and live Looking to Jesus for salvation means you look away from everything else. Yourself, your good works, the church. You look away from everything else and you look to Jesus. That's how you start the race, getting saved. The way you run the race well and finish the race strong is the same way. Look away from everything else and look, focus on Jesus Christ. Because to win your race requires both determination and concentration. Determination, it says, run with patience, the race that is. That means endurance. Amen? The, the, the race is not to the swift, it's to the plotter. Just keep plotting, you'll get there. Winning your race requires determination, running with patience, but it also requires concentration, looking unto Jesus. I'm going to close with this story. One of the interesting sporting events in the summer Olympics is this thing called sculling. How many know what I'm talking about when I mention sculling? Okay, let me describe it to you. You you may not know what it's called, but you you know what it is. You've seen those long, sleek, beautiful shells and it has a team of men in sitting in it, and they're synchronizing their rowing as they pull those long oars through the water, and it propels the boat in the race. You know what I'm talking about now? That's sculling. Now, the interesting thing about those races is those men that are doing all the work, pu- pulling on those oars, those men have their backs to the finish line. Every other race I can think of, you're looking forward to the finish. But in sculling, they have their back to the finish line. So the question is, how do they pace themselves? You know, in running, you talk about the finishing kick. You save something up, and then the last quarter, a mile, whatever, you get that finishing kick. And so you pace. How do these, these scullers, how do they pace themselves? How do they know when it's time to kick it in and to finish strong? They focus on the coxswain the coxswain is the guy that holds the megaphone sitting in the front of the boat facing the crew he's the only one that's facing the finish line all the guys that work the oars they have their back to it and you know what they do how do they stay synchronized and and how do they know you know when to uh, you know someone's gaining or you need to take a kick and try to get ahead here and they do it all by just singularly focusing on the coxswain. So the men at the oars, they look to Him. They listen to Him. They trust Him and they obey Him. And they count completely on Him to coach them to the finish line. You don't know where the finish line is. You don't know when Jesus is coming back and you don't know when you may die. How do you run successfully? Take your eyes off of everything and everybody else except Jesus Christ. Look to Him. Listen to Him. Trust Him. And obey Him. May God help us to be in it, to win it. Lay aside the weights, the hindrances. Lay aside the sins that can entangle you. Take your eyes off everything else but Jesus Christ. And He will not fail you. This church will only be as successful going forward as each and every one of you say, by God's grace and God's power, I'm in it to win it.